Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to another episode of the Nothing But Bull Podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and as always, I'm here with my main man, Justin, Just B. What's going on? Nothing much, man. It's it's getting tiresome uh, <laughs> trying to find some positive stuff to say. Like, even, like, before we came on here, listening to Melissa, like, trying to find, like, some pleasantries that were mentioned about this Bulls team lately kind of hard to come by so it's it's been a little tiring but we are all here good to be <laughs> and melissa how's it going what's good gang um we get we got to see Derek rose yesterday Woo! That's there you go. the fact that Derek rose got the loudest cheer <laughs> of the whole entire game mm-hmm. just tells you all you need to know what is wrong with this team? Because <laughs> there's no one thing you can just point to. Even though a big thing you can point to is Billy Donovan. <laughs> yeah, I'm going right in on Billy. <laughs> I don't care. I, I've said this for months now. He needs to go. He's trash. He sucks. He's horrible. Whatever... Negative words you can think of Billy Donovan, it is accurate. I'm sick of him. Why in the blue hell? Last night, did we have a lineup of Caruso, Drogic, Javante, Derek Jones Jr., and it was some and Kobe? Why was Derek Jones Jr. the tallest person on the floor at 6'5? And we got out-rebounded 17-4 to in that stretch when we had the lead. And, of course, when that lineup was in, lead's gone. Game was over with because they never got it back. You cannot put Vooch back in and play him a few extra minutes that night. You couldn't put Tony Bradley in. Yeah, Drummond got three quick fouls. Okay, you took him out because of foul trouble. One shouldn't even been a foul on him, which is that offensive foul on that drive. Okay, you got to sit him for foul trouble because he picked up three fouls in like a minute and some change. You have two other centers on your bench. Why is Derrick Jones Jr. the tallest person on the floor against the Knicks who are not small? I'm done with Billy. He's got to go. There's no other way around it. Yeah, you know, um, in my profession, you know, with being a teacher, I see a lot of, like, parallels between being a head coach and, like, being a teacher, like, as far as, like, making sure that you provide structure. But, like, coming on and talking about Billy, it kind of reminds me how, like, at the end of the year, like, they want us to like come up with like an awards list of like something positive to say about every child. And, you know, we all come up with like, it's, it's difficult because you have like those certain children who haven't done anything who are behavior problems. And it's like, what, what am I trying, what am I saying that's good about this child? 
like you you showed up every day like okay i guess if you like point that as a positive but like coming on here and defending um billy which i have done in the past is getting to be some heavy lifting um there's not much good to say like you were mentioning with that lineup where like we were down by 12 and then like somehow inexplicably we don't have Demar and Levine on the court at the same time. We have a problem where we faced the team and the team showed you how they were trying to beat you by grabbing all of the rebounds that they could and just giving themselves extra opportunities. And we did absolutely nothing to negate that. Like by how you mentioned, like putting Tony Bradley in. Um, just the lineup changes like have not made a whole lot of sense and we've had people and we've I've seen people online who have been defending Billy pointing to these different um, numbers where they talk about like how defensively we are as good as we were at the beginning of the year last year but a big part of the deficient the uh, defensive efficiency that the Bulls have shown has absolutely nothing to do with any adjustments that Billy is making throughout the game. The Bulls find themselves getting down. And then all of a sudden in the second half, they decide, hey, you know, we're actually going to D up some players and, you know, try a little bit harder. And, you know, you have Javante, you have Caruso who create those opportunities with deflections and they provide some energy and the Bulls are managed to pull themselves back into a game like you expect any NBA team to do because NBA teams go on runs. That's just the nature of, you know, playing in the NBA. But I don't know if anybody can point to any particular adjustments that Billy is doing to help his team out from the defensive standpoint. Like I like that game uh, yesterday uh, against the Knicks, the Knicks came out in that third quarter and they did something where once you know, the Bulls were trying to uh, get in the screen action. They just started sending multiple defenders to whoever the ball handler was. They, they came out with some type of little wrinkle. Do we see any wrinkles within their defensive concepts, be it a zone, a trap, anything that Billy is doing, or is it just defensive players playing better and their offensive players just giving a little bit more effort. It's nothing Billy does. <laughs> no. It's done nothing. But like there was know. a couple of, of there was a couple of possessions when Iowa was on the court. I, I don't know if it was like in last night's game or it was like the prior game. But there were like some possessions where it was getting late in the shot clock and Randall had the ball in the post and Io just came off of his defender and immediately trapped. And, like, it created, like, this terrible possession. It was, like, a couple of different possessions like that with the Bulls. That is Io having, like, you know, advanced an advanced defensive IQ to understand the situation of what's going on with the shot clock and, like, leaning off of his man. But you don't see, like, the Bulls doing a full-court press. You know, you. I'll, I'll even say this. Who, who are our best defenders on this team? Who would you all say are our best defenders? Caruso, Caruso Pat. Pat. Caruso, Pat, Io. 
Okay, Caruso, Pat, Io, and Javante, right? Yeah. Have have we ever seen a lineup that features that those players playing at the same time to like, you know, just provide a different look as far as what the Bulls are throwing at teams? You can play aggressively from a defensive standpoint, just like you can from an offensive standpoint, but you don't see Billy utilizing any of the players that he has at his disposal in the correct way. It's funny because it kind of reminds me of that Golden State team before Steve Kerr got there. I don't know, like a lot of people realize everybody, you all remember that death lineup that they had. It was like Iggy, Curry, Thompson, um, Barnes, and Draymond. You know how many minutes those players played together before um, Kerr got there? Goose <laughs> Zero. Somewhere along the line, Kerr realized, hey, you know what? We got to take the good offensive players that we have and just surround them with our best defensive players and just create havoc out on the court. You have never seen Billy like try to dive into other concepts that you see that are successful in other teams. We talk about how stagnant the offense looks and how Billy wants to play with passing the ball around and getting like 30 assists per game. <clears throat> five players averaging in double digits. How often do we see him putting forth any type of offensive concept that actually makes that happen on a consistent basis? Never. Never. Like you see like elements for that Golden State team, and I use them because they use a lot of different offensive concepts. You see concepts from Utah. You see concepts from the San Antonio Spurs. You see concepts of the triangle offense within that uh, Golden State Warriors offensive scheme that they run out there. Billy is very limited. And when teams throw any type of counter at them, he's got absolutely nothing to offer these teams moving forward. And that's a big, that's a big sticking point with why this team is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like we can say like Levine is not playing well, which he isn't. We can say that DeMar is not playing defensive well, which he isn't. But there's no way you can tell me that the amount of talent that the Bulls have on their roster is two games better than the Houston Rockets. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. Like, that, that just doesn't add up to me. Like, the math ain't math it, you know? <laughs> so something's got to give. And you can't get rid of, like, I don't know. I know they signed Billy to this extension recently, secretly. I don't know. I don't even know people who form relationships secretly on the down low, keep it from everybody. And then people find out later, oh, yeah, y'all are married. Like, no, that you, you know that relationship is not headed anywhere. So, you know, it is what it is. Until the Bulls actually look at themselves in the mirror and be honest with themselves, y'all going to be stuck on stupid. Like, that's <laughs> That's just what it is. I think it's the same thing that, again, we've been talking about almost every episode. Um, we still lack identity. We're still not consistent with our three-pointers. Um, we're still not protecting the ball consistently. We're still allowing too many second chance opportunities on the other end. Um, it's all kind of the same. We still, we just don't have, an, we just have zero offensive identity. Um, it's just, it's pretty disheartening. They, 
there are some sets being run here and there, but it's never consistent. And when things collapse, it they just become very reactive. They just go back to what they usually do, which is, as we already know, and we talk about all the time, it's always Damar or Zach Iso. Um, we see what has worked for them. Uh, the game against the Mavs, for example, which I know we're not going to put too much stake into, but that game against the Mavs, like they were moving the ball around. People were getting like multiple, you know, there was, it was the ball was getting multiple touches. It was actually going from one side of the court to the other and everybody was getting involved um, again against the Mavs. But if they can figure that out and apply that, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to blame all of this on Billy, but Billy has a huge part to do with it because he is, he's supposed to see these things and, and lead his team and utilize them properly. But if, if they can do that, we'd be in a much better position, but everybody is just kind of scrambling. And it seems like it's like that all the time. Everybody's just, it's just reactive. The Bulls play very reactive basketball and they always just unfortunately rely back on, what we did all last season, which was Jamar Zach hero ball when things don't go our way. And, and they, once they lose their composure and once things aren't going their way, it's tough. It's tough to pull, pull them out. They, they just uh, lack composure and everything just kind of snowballs very quickly. You know, I'm glad you brought up that game against the Mavs because you know, people are like, you know, why can't the Bulls play like this all the time? Well, they can't play like that all the time because they don't get a chance to play trash teams like the Mavericks all the time. Like, the Mavericks are trash. And, like, we saw, like, you take Luka off of that team, it's a bunch of, like, scrubs and G-leaguers. Like, that's just, that's just their team. There's not a lot that they're going to be throwing at you once Doncic is, is not on the court. But it's interesting with that Mavs team, you're looking at a Mavs team that lost their starting point guard, who last year was a big reason for their playoff run, the way it worked out for themselves. When Doncic went out, people got a chance to see how good of a player Bron Brunson was. is why he was able to like manufacture that contract. Now, I thought I, I was wrong about Brunson because I didn't think that he was as good as he is. But he's showing that he's well worth the contract that he received from the New York Knicks. Now, that being said, the thing that like nobody really wants to talk about in the NBA, which I think is like being lost on a lot of casual fans, there's a lot of good basketball being played around the league. There are a lot of teams who are playing good basketball without having their star players and they're still winning games. Like, do you all know how many teams are above 500? Like, either at 15 wins or 15 wins or higher. You all know how many teams that is out of the 30 teams that we have? 18. 18 teams in the NBA right now. And I'm looking at even, like, some top teams. You look at New Orleans. New Orleans has not had – Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram for a significant amount of time on the court. They don't even have a starting point guard. CJ McCollum is their starting point guard right now. Phoenix has not played with Chris Paul a whole bunch. Um, you're looking at 
the Clippers. I don't even know if Kawhi Leonard and um, Paul George have like even played 10 games together this year. I doubt that that's the case, but even if they have, they played sparingly while on the court. All of these teams that were mentioned, I'm leaving out a whole bunch of them, are at 15 games or higher. There's a lot of parity that's going on. You can't tell me that the Bulls don't have enough to be hovering around the 500 mark. I'm not saying that they should be winning all of their games, but they have enough to be competing. We've also been seeing that the Bulls, when it comes to like have like uh, games within five or less, they have like this crazy stat where they're like three and 16. It's like three and 16 when like the game is in five points or less. Part of that, yes, is going to come down to, you know, the point guard play and just decision making, but your team is consistently inconsistent. And that has to go to the overall structure of how this team is being coached. There's no getting around that. Like when there's so many inconsistencies going on, it's got to start with somebody. And I don't like Billy Donovan is not that guy to right the ship with this team. Just at not. all. At all. He's terrible. And he gets all of the blame. Because last night in the press conference after the game, this idiot says, well, you know, we were two DeMar buzzer beaters away from being in play-in last year. So you just pretty much openly admitted that DeMar saved your ass a couple times last year to get us into the playoffs. That tells me you don't know what you are doing at all. How can you be that stupid to say, he basically said this team isn't good, DeMar just saved us a couple times. That's on you. Because they're a competent coach would have this team at 500 at least. Look, like, you can't tell me going down the Knicks roster that they're so much better than us, yet Tibbs has them at, what, the fourth seed? Or six, four, fifth, sixth, somewhere in that range. Sixth seed. They're, they're the sixth seed. They're five wins better than us. The Knicks. Which I'm also to have to believe that Quentin Grimes, R.J. Barrett are better than Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Like, <laughs> I, the Knicks. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's nobody you can point to on that team that says that you can just say, "Oh, he's better than Zach. He's better than DeMar. He's better than Vooch." <laughs> How? is coaching that different like the nets were horrible they fired steve nash and look where they are now same players same players why it's on the coaching fire billy donovan that is the very first step that can be made to save this season Otherwise, it don't matter if we make trades. We're we won't be in the play in with Billy Donovan. You know, but, it's interesting that like a lot of people like are trying to like skirt around the issue. I was even like having a conversation with somebody um, about people saying like Pat 
you know, needs to be more aggressive. Like, I don't know if you're like the fourth option and you're averaging close to 10 points a game without any real plays being run for you. I, I think that Pat is doing fairly well, but I don't think that there's been like a, a consistent role that's been carved out for Pat. Pat has played like we've expected him to play from the defensive end. Um, and it, it was funny because that last game, I think Pat had like the first the first six of the nine, like the six of the nine points that we started out with, I think came from Pat or like with a Pat assist. And then just somehow, for some reason, he didn't get another shot until it was like 47 seconds left at the end of the second quarter. Like we just, oh, Pat's doing well, so let's not run more plays for him. Um, and, you know, part of that is, you know, players realizing who has the hot hand and running plays that are either going to get them more shots or open up opportunities for other people to get better looks. But it can't just be, well, Pat got us going. He missed a shot. So now it's my turn to try to go off and get mine. Like, it's not an offensive scheme. Certainly not one that is consistent with winning. And even though you have uh, NBA players who have consistently performed very well from an offensive standpoint in DeMar and in Levine, it's not going to work if it's a my turn, your turn, and everybody else is just standing around the perimeter. The only person who consistently moves within the Bulls' offense is Vooch, which is also problematic because Vooch does not get the correct amount of touches that he should. Um, and not necessarily because I think there's like some confusion as to whether like Vooch should be getting like touches down low. I don't know if like it's not necessarily that Vooch should get touches down low, like backing his down his man down in the paint. But you do have to provide him those opportunities that he can be a facilitator from the post and they don't take advantage of that. Like Vooch does not play very well playing against athletic bigs who were bigger than him so to me it would only make sense for you to put him in pick and roll situations where he's bringing that defender away from the basket and neutralizing what they're good at if Mitchell Robinson is not close to the basket it's largely ineffective he can't do anything else because he's there to rebound and block shots bring him away from the basket opens up opportunities for guys to go to the basket. But I don't know. Like it, I don't think that this game is as complicated as what we are seeing it be made uh, complicated. Like it just, it's not a complicated game. It just isn't. For Stacey, it's a simple game. <laughs> but yeah, like Booch being the facilitator, that definitely works and we see it work. But again, it goes back to, them just completely losing their composure. Like if, if they're not feeling too much pressure on defense and Vooch gets the ball in the paint, obviously can take it up like a big man should or kick it back out that allows for spacing. But we haven't really had, we haven't really had any consistent three point shooters either. So there's that. I mean, Kobe has been off and on, but we <coughs> have to actually put more shots up and it's, it is a little confusing because 
people complain about Vooch shooting threes and I have too, but Vooch is actually pretty good at threes. <laughs> like who who on our team is hitting these threes? Um, nobody really consistently. So it, it just all goes back to like them losing composure. And that also goes back to coaching. Like you got to reel it back in. There has to be more, there has to be more presence from leadership, even leadership on the team. Like you see, you see certain aspects of leadership with different players, but um, I think everybody's just frustrated. I don't see it as much as I did last year. Like I, I'd see DeMar getting more involved um, on plays and speaking to his people. Um, Alex is a pretty good leader, but everybody is just, it's just, they're unfocused. Like everybody just lose, loses their composure once things don't go well and they aren't playing playing basketball anymore it's just catch up yeah I'm glad you mentioned that about like communication because it was it's interesting watching a coach like Tibbs versus a coach like Billy Tibbs is always coaching Mm -hmm. and I don't mean like talking to his players Tibbs is talking to everybody talking to the crowd he's talking to other players on other teams he's getting up on, in refs' faces and talking to them, there was that like that viral video of where like there was like the coaches challenge and Tibbs is up in there and like the you see the refs like telling like yo you need to like back off, but Tibbs is in on every single he's giving you as much energy as he can possibly exhaust, and like looking at his style of coaching and the directions that he's given his players versus what Billy is doing. And I I don't, it's just, it, it's interesting. It's, <laughs> you look at, it's like two different sides of the spectrum for the coaching world. Like you just, you do not see that communication on, from Billy Donovan and his coaching staff. Tibbs is always coaching, but you know, it, it is what it is. As we talked about before, like we thought that, Billy was more of like a player's coach, but is he even a player's coach anymore? Like I, I'm pretty sure the team is pretty much turned against turned against him already. But yeah, he is very hands-off. It's it's nothing new. It's nothing new that we're talking about here. It's a lot of gum chewing aggressively, <coughs> not communicating to his team, not too many changes being made. Um we've seen him him bench some players here and there, but when they make mistakes, but it's just He's just not involved. You don't see him talking to his team. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, when – you all remember, like, when Billy, like, sat Zach at the end of that – I forget which team they were playing against, but it was, like, the big thing that happened between uh, Billy and Zach. I have no problem with Billy doing that if that is his style of coaching from the very beginning. You know, if, if you're holding a practice and you see that, like, guys are not doing it a certain way, you know, send them down or go get somebody else in there. But to not do it on a consistent basis sends a wrong message to the team. There's plenty of times that DeMar has messed up a defensive rotation. Has Billy called out DeMar or sat DeMar and be like, no, no, you need to go sit down because you're you're playing poor offensively and you're playing poor defensively. We need to get somebody else in there. No. I, I, I've seen him like call out Io 
and like some of the younger players or be like, you know, you know, Pat, he's not providing the energy, but like you need to do it from a consistent basis. Like he keeps talking about how, you know, like, and the front office has talked about continuity and he's talked about being the same person day in and day out. But if you're going to make those decisions where you're calling players out and sitting them, it needs to be something that is across the board. Even in that game yesterday, the Bulls came out with, like, they were so lethargic on offense. And he rode with that lineup, didn't do anything until about six minutes into the quarter. Six minutes, crucial minutes. And it's the Knicks weren't doing a whole bunch for themselves on offense either. But it's like, keep it consistent. But he has kept it consistent. He's consistently inconsistent. So that is, that's got, from a professional standpoint, it's got to be maddening to those guys and not understanding what rules that they have and what direction that Billy wants them to go in moving forward. Because they're at this interesting place right now. They have these young guys who they've kind of committed to with Pat and Aya. And like, you're kind of stuck because it's not like, like people are saying you got to go out and just tank, like just blow it all up. Well, (laughs) that's not really an option because of like the draft capital that they have used up in other places. So it's either you're going to commit to these young guys and go through the growing pains, or you're going to just go with the veterans who you trust moving forward, but you can't have it both ways. Like you got to pick a lane and just, you know, just go for it. Yeah, go back to um, Tibbs and the ref. Like I was sitting there, like it, y'all don't give Tibbs a tech for this. Like he's breaching the area where they're supposed to announce what the call was at the challenge, and he, you just see him come, and the ref's like, out of here. <laughs> they asked Tibbs about it. Tibbs said, "I was just trying to help." <laughs> So it's like, why can't Billy ever do anything to advocate for his players? Because there's plenty of times where we get no type of calls. Even in the UC in Chicago, like, what is home court advantage? Because we never get the benefit of the whistle, the benefit of the doubt or nothing. And he just sits there and chews gum. Then when Pooch got slapped in the face. Yes. That should have been a Billy tech right there. That was terrible. Instead, it was a Vooch tech. Like, yeah, instead, it was a Vooch tech. And then, you know, Vooch decided, like, hey, you know, you know, I don't, I'm going to pack up my lunchbox and leave because I don't feel like playing anymore. And that's yeah. kind of what he did from a mental standpoint. Yeah. But he shouldn't have had to exert that much energy complaining with the refs about what was a clear slap in the face. Like, that man just got slapped in the face on TV in front of everybody in the building. Everybody saw it. And Billy is just sitting there not doing anything to advocate for his players. I'm sorry. Like, that's one of those, you got to get a tech there. You have to get a tech. You got to get a tech. That's a great point. That was, like, right in my line of sight because I was at that game, and I saw it. And I saw him, like, on the ground, and I'm like, dang, looking at Billy, like, are you not – are you not going to say anything? Are you – hello? Like, he – Vooch was on the ground for a hot minute and nothing. And that's a great point because, yeah, if your coach doesn't have your back, like, what – how do you even stay motivated to play? All right. Then our biggest offensive issue is what? Lack of three-point shooting. Who's our best three-point shooter? 
it's Patrick. Yeah, he's shooting over 40, he's like 43%. Why is he getting more shots? He should be taking at least four three-pointers a game. He had like the first seven, eight points last night. You can't decide, okay, Patrick has it going. He has the hot hand. Let me draw up some plays so we get the ball to Patrick. No. A couple minutes later, Pat subbed out. Didn't even touch the ball again. It's, it's not that hard to read game from game what you need to do, yet you still don't do anything. You said he waited six minutes to the game for a substitution. That's his normal time that he substitutes. Yeah. He sticks to his routine rotations and then wonders why it's not working. You have to like just game from game. That's why I feel Stuck like they, just they just <laughs> are giving up. Like they're this, they're just so, they're just like not motivated anymore. And a lot of it has to do, well, most of it has to do with what we're talking about. That's how I feel about it. It just seems like they're deflated, like no spirit. Um, There's too many guys who are trying to go out there and like just find their rhythm as opposed to the coaching staff them. helping them to find their rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I mentioned, like Pat, like started off hot. Then Zach was like, Hey, you know, I need to get mine. And so like, you know, so Zach starts taking shots, even though it's not necessarily in the rhythm. And, you know, I'm, I'm very tired of people like saying that, you know, Zach is taking the shots that the defense is giving him. Zach is not doing what he needs to do to get himself in an offensive rhythm, which we see it. Everybody in the United Center sees it. Stacy commented on it several, Stacy and F. Hey, man, you need to get to the basket and see that ball going into the hoop, which is going to help build your confidence. But there are certain situations where we're like, why why isn't Zach getting more catch-and-shoot situations? Instead of allowing Zach to just rely on, hey, you know, I'm going to, like, take these step-back three-point shots or, or three-pointers that are not within the flow of the offense, there is no one who is helping him get to his comfort level. And, you know, he's proven that he can be a good player. But you need to have that coach who is going to help him go from good to great. And it made me think about it from this standpoint with, with Donovan. If you have three scenarios of a team, let's say you have a, a team that is very young and looking for like an identity. Then you have a, a team that is like kind of like a borderline playing team that is trying to make the playoffs. And then you have a team that is a team with championship level aspirations. Is Billy Donovan like within your top five pick of coaches that you would take in any of those scenarios? No. Top 10? No. Top 15? No. (laughs) Top 20? 
Nope. <laughs> those are the scenarios that make up the NBA. <laughs> like there, there's only those three scenarios right there. So, like, if he can't be a yes for any of those scenarios, you and, know what I mean. <laughs> and Zach, Zach is a is a good player. He's a very good player. He's like a top twenty talent in the league. He has a very low basketball IQ. Oh. And I don't put that all on Zach because look at the coaches that he's had over his career. Yeah. Whoever he had in Minnesota, Fred Hoiberg, Jim Boylan, Billy Donovan. Not anybody I named is going to help you with basketball IQ and help you see how to just let the offense come to you and how you need to approach the the defense. So Zach has just been like shooting these terrible shots that, you know, the last couple of years, (laughs) they go in more than that. So we're just like, ah, whatever. Now they're not dropping as much. So you're like, Zach, what are you doing? Well, (laughs) he's doing what he's been doing. Because nobody's ever corrected it, he's just not making them as much now. So it's like, who can we get to help Zach realize, dude, go go to the basket first. Like, I thought DeMar would help him with that because we've seen times where DeMar really doesn't shoot in the first or second quarter because he's trying to get other players involved and let the offense come to him. It hasn't really been working because we've needed him to shoot those quarters because nobody else is making anything. And you're not running plays for guys like Patrick. You're not using Vooch the way you should use him. Him posting up, it's not going to work. I'm sorry. He can't back down smaller players. But you don't want to shoot in just three, so... You need to use his passing abilities, put him in pick and roll. Let him hit some mid-ranges. Vooch can hit mid-range, but Billy is not doing anything to help anybody on his team out at all. And it's like, what point are you guys going to cut your loss even though you gave him this extension? Like I said, Nate McMillan got an extension a few years ago, and Two weeks later, they still fired him because they realized, okay, even though we gave him this extension, this team's not going anywhere with him. This team is not going anywhere with Billy Donovan. There's no way around it. And like I said, the the comment he said last night, and he talked about, oh, our spirit and resolve has to be better. You know who else talked about spirit? The guy we replaced Billy. I mean, we replaced him with Billy. The terrible coach, the most horrible coach that has ever existed in Bulls history. Jim Boylan was all about spirit. I don't think you want to go into post conferences sounding like another Jim Boylan. Hey, look, this this ain't high school. 
but we're talking about spirit week and you're not in church on a Sunday talking about spirits. Like, you know, like, no, nobody wants to hear that best for an NBA team. I, I get that there are some limitations with this roster. You do have certain guys who are not necessarily playing in the position that they are probably best suited in. Like with Pat, I really feel that Pat is more of a shooting forward. I don't feel that he is a power forward. Um, And we're seeing that by the fact that he is not rebounding the ball like you would expect a power forward to do. But I do, however, see that Pat does have some point forward capabilities. It is very rare that we see Everybody laments about what he can't do, but we don't see like more exploitation of what he necessarily can do. I get that, you know, people feel like that IO might have taken, you know, a little bit of, of a drop within the past month and a half. But I don't necessarily feel that IO is really a point guard. He might be a com- he's like a combo guard. And I feel like if you put him in more of like a shooting guard role, that might be something that is better suited for him to be able to succeed. We don't have a power forward coming off of the bench to also make up for the production that P will gives you, at least from a defensive standpoint and shutting down or helping to shut down bigger players. There are certain constraints about the roster. There are constraints about every single roster that is in the NBA right now, which is why there is so much parity in the league right now. Like this is a golden opportunity to for like the Bulls to really kind of judge themselves based off of the rest of the talent that's in the league. Because when you're just going off of a talent standpoint, the Bulls are like pretty much up there with everybody else. We know that they can compete with tougher teams by the fact that they've beaten Boston twice this year and they've beaten Milwaukee. They have it it's within their capabilities of being able to go out there and perform on a much more consistent basis, but we just don't have the right person in charge who is helping to facilitate that. Like I, when we're talking about Billy Donovan, if I have to go back to Billy Donovan's accolades as a, prof- a professional coach, like just it within his professional circle, if, if I have to go back to looking at Donovan as a successful coach in college, And I can't really point to much success that he has had on the NBA level. It's kind of a problem with that. I cannot look at any of Donovan's teams and be like, yep, that is a Billy Donovan coach team. The only time that I can actually do that is by pointing out the inconsistencies within that team. I cannot look at any of the positive things that are going on for Billy Donovan because he has not consistently put his stamp on any of the teams that he has coached within the NBA. So like, again, if he do, we don't feel like we have an advantage from a coaching standpoint, going into a game against any of the the teams in the NBA, it's kind of a problem. How many offensive rebounds did we have last night? Oh, gosh. We had two. 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 When Drummond went out with the foul trouble in, like, what, the first quarter, second quarter? Like four fouls in nine minutes or something. Did he ever come back in? 
I don't remember seeing Drummond back in the game. <coughs> well, if he did, I mean, it, like, it didn't matter much because he played 10 minutes for the whole entire game. So, no, because, because he had, like, three fouls with, like, the first minute or something. So, he came back in for, I guess, a cent. We hired we, – we went out and got Drummond for rebounds. That's something he does very well. How do we end up with two offensive rebounds for the entire game? I don't know. Like it, the whole entire thing, like everything about that game yesterday, there were just so many things that just did not make any sense. Like we were lacking an offensive spark. Like Kobe has played well the past, I want to say two weeks, really. Like in between a time where he like wasn't hurt and then like he, of course, he went through those injuries and then he was back on the court. Kobe has played fairly well um, in all aspects of the game. I don't see how if Kobe is supposed to be one of our main guys coming off the bench, I don't see like how it makes sense him only playing 22 minutes last night, especially when you were looking for some type of offensive spark plug and you're playing at home. So you kind of expect like your role players to give you a little bit more at home, but I don't know. I'm looking at this like Vooch had one offensive rebound. The other one was Javante. Why can nobody else grab a rebound? That's horrible. There's like, uh, they just, it just seems like they're deflated. There's no, the morale is just out the window. And yeah. Uh, rightfully so. He, he's clearly lost his locker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our turnovers are like going, our turnovers every game are just crazy. But again, that all goes back to the same thing. There aren't, there aren't consistent plays being drawn up. People don't really know. They're not, they're not consistent in their roles. Like they don't know it. They don't always know what they're exactly supposed to do. <coughs> it's always you're just going with the flow. It's just again, I keep repeating myself, but it's always like reactive. It's always reactive. They don't have a specific direction. Um, there's no consistency, so that all spills into everything else. Of course, our turnovers are just it's it is so bad. How many turnovers we have per game? Yeah, it goes to mental preparation. Like I like that first foul that like. Um, Drummond got like where he just like kind of just like tr- clothesline Brunson like <laughs> just like you're just checking the game like that's the first like your first moment in the game that's what you do like you know like just like hey that's that's something that worked in the 90s you had that guy that was the enforcer he come in knock the hell out of somebody and I had show it. that's Hopefully. pretty much all you had him do he had Oakley in the building the other day. That <laughs> the last enforcer is the book he's selling. Yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that they would do back in the day. But it was no kind of like any no, nothing like different really. Like even like in this game, like I figured 
with the Bulls getting like out rebounded by like I don't know close to twenty <laughs> rebounds um, in their first matchup with the um, the Knicks, I thought because like Billy had kind of hinted to like playing Drummond and Booch at the same time. I thought that last night's game would have been in a game where he might have experimented with that just to, like, you know, kind of counter what was going on on the court. I know it doesn't do much for your spacing, but also neither does having a lineup where it's, like, DeMar with Derek Jones Jr., Drummond, and just a bunch of non-shooters. Like, you, you've already done that lineup where there's been a bunch of non-shooters with DeMar, and we – Anybody who has common sense can see that that doesn't work. But I thought that for sure he would have, like, this would have been the game where he's like, you know what? We're getting killed on the glass. Let me put Vooch and Drummond in there at the same time to try to negate all of those missed rebounding opportunities that were going on. And it, it didn't happen. I'm like, you know it's bad when I'm asking why he didn't put Tony Bradley in, of all people. <laughs> I mean, we were getting out-rebound at 17-4 to four because he just went completely small to where you're even like, okay, you could have put Tony Bradley in for this. He might have helped with size and rebounding. Tony Bradley nobody would ever advocate for him getting playing time other than seeing what Billy did <laughs> with having Derrick Jones Jr. be the biggest guy on the court. Like, is it one of those times where, like, like the, the coach looks down on the bench and, like, you know, you might have, like, a bunch of, like, G League call-ups or whatever, so you kind of, like, kind of, like, had a brain fart as to who was on your bench I don't know. At some point, don't you kind of look down the bench and be like, oh, hey, you know what? I don't know when you were signed. You look kind of tall whenever we're in these timeouts. <laughs> you know what? Let me throw you in there to see what you can give me. <laughs> Statistically, <laughs> our best three-point shooter this season is Tony Bradley. <laughs> He's at like 66% or something. Oh, I wonder how many shots he put up <laughs> at 66%. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's like, hey, why not? We need some size. Maybe he knocks down a three. Maybe. Uh, it's gotten to that point <laughs> that we're asking for Tony Bradley to get some minutes we over... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet. I mean, Justin has agreed with me on this, so we're not including you and we. But we were both like, to put Tony Bradley out there. Because why are we that small against a very big team yeah. who's just snatching every rebound? It was kind of comical watching. Like, we kept getting crossed up in our matches where it's like Caruso on Julius Randle. Like, I appreciate everything that Caruso offers us from a defensive standpoint. 
But if your best defensive counter is to have a 196-pound guard have to match up with a power forward who outweighs him by close to close to 50, maybe 60 pounds, like, I don't know. I just, like, it's all co- kinds of comical. Like, it's just, the Bulls gave everybody so many reasons to turn off the game last night. It's just. The poor Melissa, you were at that game, I wish right? I couldn't turn it off. It was at both Knicks games. <laughs> so that, that told her earlier, I'm sorry for your loss that you had to be there. Oh, man. I, I, the, the biggest issue is just like, it's just lack of leadership. That's it. That's it's it. I don't even think that, I think that we have, I still, again, I stand by, I still think that we have talent there, but we like leadership. <laughs> and it's not, it's Billy, it's the coaching staff, but it's also our team. Like it's our also our team. I wish that. I mean, it's it's just not who everybody is. But I wish. I also do wish that. It's hard to be a leader right now and to be more vocal. But I do wish that Zach was a little bit more vocal in his leadership. Demar was a little bit vocal and is more vocal in his leadership and Vooch. But we know that that's not really them. Like you see, you even see leadership in like Io. <laughs> Um, Ayo and Alex. Yeah, calming guys down. Like, Ayo's kept a couple of people this year from getting technicals. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, you know, just... Real people back in. I'm going to tell you something. Like, I can can understand the coaching staff. I don't know, like, if it's just necessarily Billy's decision or if it's, like, collectively coaching staff and the front office... I understand there being some trepidation with putting a 19-year-old out there in Dale and Terry. At this point, like we talked about leadership. One of the main reasons why you brought Dale and Terry on this team were his intangibles. Like, I don't understand how this player, who everybody is talking about how vocal he is, and how he he plays into the type of style that you really want to see the Bulls playing at, getting the ball up the court. I don't understand how we can't find any minutes for him. Like I just, oh, Dalen got a lot of minutes last night. He was playing for the Windy City Bulls because you no know, Billy's not giving him any minutes up here, so he keeps asking. <laughs> It's sad that he has to ask to go down to Winnie City so he can play. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, that he said he's been asking to go down to Winnie City so he could get some minutes in. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that... Because I have no clue at this point why you don't at least give him a few minutes, like, that one game where they put him in for like three minutes, you saw he caused disruption on the defensive end. I think he got a steal and came down on the other end, laid it up. You, you he's Billy says the game has to slow down for him. It can't slow down if he doesn't play. Yeah. And not at the G League level, but the NBA level. Because what Marco's been on this roster for three years now. Is he playing at the NBA level? He's not even starting on the G League team anymore. 
don't get it. I do find it funny that like so many people wanted us to have Hartenstein. Oh, he's trash. <laughs> he's trash. Yeah, he's trash. <laughs> Excuse me. He did play like trash, but he also, like in that first game, he was part of that rebounding wrecking crew. He just kept getting rebound after rebound. But no, he is not better than Booch. Um, he is not a starting caliber NBA center by any means. Um, but yeah, it's it's all kinds. Of, it's like cue the clown music. Like I just I cannot get over these games. Games are make making people want to drink. What do we do too with uh <laughs> what do we do with like it's not really new news, but knowing that Lonzo will not be returning. <clears throat> how are we feeling about how Iowa's been doing as of late? Iowa's not even starting. They he Billy went to Caruso to start. Uh, I was on a minutes limit last night because that abdominal injury. So yeah. not really judging Io last night because he really wasn't in much. But at least like lost I, faith on the starting. There, there are other teams around the NBA that have more wins without having their starting point guard. And again, like with Io, like. You got to kind of ride with the growing pains because Caruso, it, it is unfair to ask Caruso to be our primary ball handler. Also be the defensive, basically defensive captain, calling out everybody's positions and where they need to be and taking on all of like the best players who are cooking everybody else. Like it, like that's, like that's a lot to handle. And still expecting him to score. Yeah, like no. And you're expecting him sometimes to play power forward because we have no power forwards on this team. And you know, I I like I like the signing of of Dragic, but realistically, like it it, it never made any sense to think that you were expecting to get a whole bunch of minutes from Dragic that were going to be like incredibly impressive and not because he's a bad player but just given his age you shouldn't want to see Dragic playing a whole bunch of minutes especially this early in the season like you kind of brought him along for some communication leadership point guard skills to when you start getting into the playoffs and not having players who are going to fold like they did with the Bucks and just applying a, a little bit of pressure. We saw like guys who it's like they forgot how to dribble. Um, but like you you have to go you have to go all in with these young players. And like we said before, you gotta give Kobe more minutes. You know, like if we're starting out offensively stagnant, that it kind of makes sense, at least from my perspective to put a player in there who's not afraid to put up more shots and who has shown that he can be somewhat of an offensive weapon um, 
you know, in the starting role. Like, because I, I like you know, with having Caruso playing these minutes and, you know, we see the way Caruso plays and I think everybody admires the way Caruso plays. I don't know how sustainable that is for the entire season, and especially if you're having like aspirations about getting into the playoffs and actually doing something besides just winning one playoff game. It doesn't really make sense to be burning Caruso out and having him log the kind of minutes that he's being expected to log. But then again, I also think we should be playing our defensive players all at once to take the pressure off of him having to do all of that. So, And Kobe's been good offensively and defensively. Yeah. So why not? Like I said, you give more spacing starting Kobe with Zach and Demar out there. Because you saw the Knicks last night, every time a guard got the ball, they collapsed on him. Yep. More teams can do that because there's no spacing and Billy does not adjust it to have all of our best shooters out there to kind of take the pressure off the guys. Nope. <laughs> it, I just don't know because... I don't think any of this gets fixed unless Billy is gone. I just, I don't want to see a player um, be moved and like people just kind of give up on them just to watch that player go someplace and flourish. Right. You know, like I, you know, obviously when Lori and Wendell were here, they weren't consistent. And part of that is on them as far as like, you know, going through their growing pains in the NBA Part of it is also like not having like a clear defined role that is going to see them progress. Like, yeah, you might want to have somebody in a certain role, but you also need to see them show progression past the role that they are put in. We see that now with um, Lori in particular in Utah, like he's flourishing over there because he, you know, he guys have been put in like a, a totally different position as far as the offensive scheme that they are running over there because he's not necessarily shooting the three ball better, but he's being put on the move and just, you know, they're utilizing Lori the way we all envision Lori being utilized, but to have like Kobe not really reach his potential um, and to see P will who has shown that if he gets more shots than what he's presently getting, that he can be effective and then seeing Ayo not necessarily getting the shots that he should be getting like you know i don't want to see these players moved on um just to try to appease billy donovan's failings and i i get the feeling that a lot of people are kind of hey let's make a move like what no we have talent you know it's funny you're looking at the national media they're coming out and like you, you can see the vultures kind of circling Oh, teams are like those are the reports that you keep seeing. Teams are eyeing what's going on with the Chicago Bulls situation. So you know what that should tell people is that the Bulls do have players that other teams want. So if that's the case, why would we be getting rid of those players as opposed to getting somebody who can help those players get better? Right. And you see um, Boston's head coach, his uh, scouting report on the Bulls that got leaked the other day. 
And <laughs> no. under Patrick, Wo- under Patrick Williams, Williams and says Kawhi. See Kawhi, they're the same player. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Yeah. And people say like, Duh, that that's a big expectation to put on him. <laughs> Not really, because when he gets the ball and actually has the ball quite a few times, you can see he can be a Kawhi Leonard. You said earlier you can see point forward in him, and that immediately made me think of Scottie Pippen. I think he has the talent to be somewhat of a player like Pippen. Yeah, because didn't Pippen like average like was it like fifteen points a game like in his first? It was either his first or second year. He could do like everything too. Yeah, like. You, you've seen instances where Pat's brought the ball down the floor and went coast to coast. He, you know, Ed said that Pat started out as a point guard. Yep. We've been asking to let Pat, you know, bring the ball down more. So I can see, like, that type of player in the Pittman Kawhi if – you just give him the ball and run some plays for him. I mean, he's still, what, 21, 22? He's nowhere near his prime yet. His three-pointer has been amazing, and people ask you, where did this come from? He said, I got more reps. <laughs> like, people are forgetting rookie year, no training camp because of COVID. Next year, he's out pretty much the whole year with a wrist injury. So you're expecting to see that third-year jump from him this year, and that's unrealistic because he missed pretty much his whole second season, and this is the first year he's really getting a training camp. And then he's got to play under Billy Donovan, who doesn't run any plays for him. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, again, like, I see that, like, he – it is a tough thing with him playing the power four position and also being tasked with guarding, you know, the other team's top offensive player. But it's also expecting him to get rebound. Like, you have to, like, carve, like, have him carve out that rule for him to be successful. It's not that there's not enough shots to go around on that Bulls team. There's more than enough shots to get those four players doing what they need to do from an efficient standpoint. And like we talked about it a couple of times, I'd like to see when the Bulls are starting the break. Hey, there's a power forward who's guarding Pat. Majority of them can't keep up with Pat when he gets a full steam, you know, moving towards the basket. He's got pretty good ball skills. We've seen it like in some of his his um, cross court passes without his dominant hand, like with his left hand how he's able to like just find players and hit them on a dime, but it's not something that we are taking advantage of. And it just, I don't know. Like, you got me over here. Like, I, I just... The last few games in the discord, I've just putting put in feed Pat. Past the future of this team. Yes. Like, the Mars, what, 36, 37? I think he's 36. No, Dragas is 36. Dra- 36. Uh, yeah, DeRose is 33. Dragas is like 36, 37. So you're not expecting to have these vets on this team 
that much longer. Zach is what twenty seven, should be entering his prime. You need to start building the young guy that is going to be the complement to Zach, because Zach is who you paid all the money to. Yep. Zach's the one who's going to be entering his prime soon. You need his co-star that you can develop that can take over for Zach once he's out of his prime. You know, he can still be there as a second option. But the first option could be Patrick Williams if you develop him the right way. You know, my thing is, like, a lot of these, a lot of the NBA, like, talent evaluators and coaches, they they can't be, all be wrong. Like, you remember, like, when Pat was, like, helping with the training of that Olympic team, and everybody on there was, like, just, like, salivating over the amount of talent that Pat has. There's no way that you can tell me that all of those people are people who are also in the presence of the top players in the NBA are all wrong. <laughs> and even with, with like Zach and people like he doesn't have like winning qualities. When Zach was on that Olympic team, like because I know a lot of people did not watch those games. Zach was one of the better defensive players on that team. Yep. Was fully engaged, was picking guys up full court and pressing them because he has that within him to do. Have you ever seen Zach tasked with doing that from the Bulls? No, because it's not a role that has been carved out for him and has been expected from him since he's been in a Bulls uniform. Boylan, when he was here, talked about helping Pat, uh, not Pat, but Zach become a two-way player. He talked about it. We didn't have an actual plan about it. And then we're, we're seeing the same thing with Billy. Like, you can talk about, like, you know, all of these different things about how you want players to, like, five players to average double-digit points. Okay, that's great. What do you have to actually put that vision into motion? And, and you know, that's the thing. Like, if other teams are noticing what is on this Bulls team and people are like, the Bulls should blow it up and trade, that indicates that you have to have people who are willing to give up draft capital to do that. So I don't... You know, somebody else said, like, oh, we should have, like, 35 assists a game. Boylan. Yeah. Billy's sounding like a very glorified Jim Boylan at this point. And I didn't want to put that on him because Boylan is some joke. But why are you now saying the same things that he said? It's just that it, it seems like to me, Billy just had luck with having better teams. Because he had the Thunder, he had Kevin Durant, Westbrook, Chris Paul, SGA. And then you come here, you've got Demar Zach, where you no know, one had a team full of G Leaguers. So 
is he that much better than Boylan, or did he just have better players? You're gonna go with better players. <laughs> okay, Boylan was like pretty bad. Come he on, was, he was very bad. He was very he was bad. bad. But you're saying the same things as Boylan. You're saying yeah. the same, we should have 35 cents, and then you're talking about the spirit isn't good, and that's just going to make you think about Jim Boylan because that's what we had to deal with. And now we got you, and now you're talking about, well, we were a playing team if DeMar didn't hit those buzzer beaters. So you admit you suck at coaching. That's, that's what you say to me. I saw a stat too that we're still like third in passing too. And what does that translate to? Turnovers. (laughs) We're like third in the league for passing still, but it's not bringing us anything. It's not translating (laughs) to anything at all. That's because when you look at the passes that are being made, it's not passes that are being made to set anything up offensively. The only passes that are really being made is like when we have like a switch from a screen or something like that, but putting those other players in motion, like, and like, I hate to harp on this, but going back to Golden State, everybody on Golden State, and they're not playing well now because they don't have any defenders really, but everybody on Golden State, when they're on that court, is an option to score. They have certain plays that they are setting it up to get an open look for Steph or to get an open look for Clay. But those other guys who are setting other players up are also components of their offense that if you go and you send a defender to help out with covering those two shooters, the rest of those guys are rolling to the basket for an easy bucket. Like it's, it's all, I don't want to say it's smoke and mirrors, but it kind of is like, you know, They'll run these plays, but and even like people are looking at the Golden State Warriors and people get caught up into the we need to shoot more threes. Golden State Warriors, when they were at their best, were operating off of the threat of the three. But a lot of their action was getting open looks going to the basket. And we do not do that. Like we lead the league in like def- like deflections or like second in the league in deflections. I don't know. And we, we put up a lot of steals. Are we running when we get the ball? No. They, they're jogging across half court most of the time, and it infuriates me because somebody who got the steal will be running up court and everybody <laughs> else is behind them. I'm just like, what are y'all doing? Like, why are y'all so lazy that y'all think, uh, let's just jog and they can reset? Mm-hmm. We should have a fast break. Like, run down there and – Look for a layup slash cut. Yeah, are you play? Like on an inbounds play when Co- when not Kobe, but when Io was starting, Io was taking that ball with force down the court. And it was like you look at the frame and I'm like, wait, where is everybody else at? And Io was attacking the rim, but there's nobody else like who is running behind him to kind of clean up the, the glass and you know, get the rebound and get an easy put. There's nothing. And Iowa's consistently putting other teams on notice. And I was like, well, maybe it's like a youthful, like exuberance thing. Like, you know, he's like, oh, I got this ball. You know, I got to do something with it. I'm going to try to make something happen. My legs are fresh. I'm pretty young. But then I come in, I, I watch Dragic come in 
Dragic is 30, what, you said 36 years old? And there's still times when Dragic gets that ball up the court and he's the only one there. Like, how does a 36-year-old beat the entire team down the court? I just, I don't understand, like, I don't get it. They don't run. Yeah. Most everything points back to coaching, right? <laughs> that's why I brought up that passing. That's why I brought up that passing stat too, because all that passing we translates to nothing because it's there's no there no there are no set plays to do anything with all this passing. It's just passing to the open man to kind of get away from the defenders, but there is no end goal or no plan in place. So even like in the the games against New York. I thought for sure because like Brunson was killing us. He was, you know, and that's fine because he's a, a very good offensive player. But on the flip side of that, it's not a very good defensive player. I thought for sure, like we would have run some kind of action to get him crossed up in a mismatch to take advantage of the fact that he's barely six foot and has a very small, you know, Linked to his body, like he, he's not a he's not a stout defender by any means. I thought for sure. Hey, you know what? Gonna see some plays where we like cross them up, and at least, you know, sometimes when we're talking about really good defense, sometimes your offense, like your offense efficient efficiency, sometimes is your best defense because if you are continuing to put their defend their defenders, um. You know, make making them have to make adjustments and making them have to account for the fact that you are running such a great offense, an offense, it's going to, you know, open up some things for you on the de- defensive standpoint because they're exerting so much, you know, offense themselves trying to defend you. But we don't see them attacking teams from an offensive standpoint. We don't see them attacking teams from a defensive standpoint, like I said, with getting your best defenders on the court. We don't see any of that stuff. So, you know, looking ahead, it's like, who do we have next tomorrow? It's like Minnesota. Yep. But looking ahead, like, it doesn't get much. Not like they keep saying the schedule is lightening up, lighting up for us. But I'm like, do we see any, like, definite wins coming up that we can necessarily point to? Unless somebody wants to get creative with like our offense, somebody being our <laughs> coaching staff. Because we have at Minnesota, at Miami, at Atlanta, and at New York. Yeah, no. Um, you, you weren't supposed to lose tonight, like, so it's it's hard right now. It's yeah, really like, hard. we did what we were supposed to do against the Mavs, but we weren't supposed to lose to the Knicks like that in that manner. That game was really, really bad. That last game was just atrocious. The play where Caruso threw the ball off the backboard to Zach for the dunk, that's the type of thing that they should be doing, like, all the time. Yeah. If they actually ran. I mean, we don't need Zoe just to run the court. I don't understand why they ran with Zoe, but they're just lazily jogging up the court now that he's not there. You can yeah. still run. You can still get easy points. Yeah, because they'll put the pressure on def- defenses by, like, 
those outlet passes. But it's not like he was like, you know, consistently breaking down his defender and, you know, like that's not Zoe's game. Like you he was putting pressure on the ball. That's what Zoe was good at. Helping with steals, helping with rebounds, and just helping them get out in the open floor in the open floor. But getting out in the open floor should not be contingent on just one player to be able to execute that. You remember before, like how we were like, do the Bulls know how to run like a fast break correctly? Like there were years with Hoiberg <laughs> and Boylan. We were like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, it's the same thing now. There should be some kind of growth, shouldn't there? We got better players. Supposedly, we have a better coaching staff. Supposedly. Still don't know how to run a fast break. An offensive coordinator or something. But yeah. I I, I seen something that said uh, the Bulls have a guy on the coaching staff there. His job is to look at the film and determine how well contested the three-pointers are that they have allowed. And Billy goes, well, according to him, we 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 played them pretty good on the three-pointers. Fire that guy because he clearly doesn't know what he's looking at. So, I know I got glasses and Mel has glasses too, but like, <laughs> what are you looking at? That like the, I don't know what you see. We, it's we like fire that guy and then fire <laughs> Billy for believing him. <laughs> but yeah, we we got this road trip of Timberwolves, Heat, Hawks, and the Knicks. They better win in Madison Square Garden to make up for this crap that we've seen <laughs> the last two times against the Knicks. They better beat Atlanta because we should have beat them that other game. We beat Miami already in Miami. Again, Miami's operating without a point guard. If you want to call Lowry a, a point, Lowry's not a starting caliber point guard anymore. It's like, like I said, like, and they have, I think, 15 wins. Yeah, they're, they're 15, 15 and 15. 15. With Jimmy missing significant time, I'd say we got to pray for like somebody to be injured. And I, I hate saying that, but even like the, the the replacement to the injury just comes in and lights us up from three. Like I don't like Bar- like Barrett shoots below thirty percent from three. Quentin Grimes for Steph Curry last night. Quentin Grimes. It's something to be said when other like players who are having a down year look at us and they come in and all of a sudden they have like a career game. Something to be said about that. We need to win tomorrow against the T-Wolves. Which would mean they need to guard Anthony Edwards, and I think it's Malik Beasley. Because they don't have do not let them shoot open threes. 
they don't have Carl Anthony Towns, right? He's not playing. I think he's still injured. Is he? I think so. Should be a game they can win. It should be a game they can win. I don't trust Vooch. <laughs> and what? being guarded by Gobert. Oh, gosh. I don't. <laughs> Booch is not going to be in the post at all. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this now. He's not going in the post. <coughs> yeah, but see, that's one of those games where I'm like, that should be a game where Booch is not in the post, where you are right. running pick and pop situations with him. Right, to draw their best defender away from the basket. Yeah, keep keep Gogurt away from the basket, and but we would still actually actually need to go to the basket, Zach, instead of just tucking threes. Drive. It's been more successful when he's gone to the basket That's than him just shooting threes. That's what it is. His shot selection has been not great, but again, we chalk that up to the plays being called or not being called. We all know he's better as a, sl- a slasher. He's better in catch and shoot situations, but what's being called for him? We got to get creative with him. <laughs> I mean, that this is nothing new. We've always known this about Zach. Zach's a great player, but we've always known what his strengths and weaknesses are. And the coach should be able to adjust to that and use him how he should be used. Yeah, Zach had to get downhill. Like, in that last game, did he attempt the free throw? No. I don't think so. I know. Off the top of my I mean, that's kind of problematic. When you're not shooting the three and you're not getting to the free throw line, how are we going to make up that difference between the other team killing us from three like something like you you need to be able to bridge that gap you need to get downhill i don't i don't even think that um demar took a bunch of free throws in that last game nope zach had zero demar had two yeah there was like that one game that like i think demar i think he shot like 14 or 16 free throws some kind of crazy number like that but they have to get downhill. They have to play to their strengths. So we'll see if it happens. And no, Carl Anthony Towns is must still be injured because he did not play the last game. Well, that's a, that's a break, I guess, for them. But the Wolves are fourteen and fifteen. Yep. Heat's fifteen and fifteen. Hawks are fifteen and fifteen. And then we got the Knicks again, who are sixteen and thirteen. We're 11 and 17 now? Yes. 11 Why? The only team that has a worse record that we play in the next few days are the Rockets on the day after Christmas. And then we have the Pistons on the 30th. Everybody else we play has a better record than us. It's not too hard. I mean, to put it in perspective, like the top, the bottom teams in the league, like the biggest difference in 
winning margin for us is like four games. Charlotte is seven and 22. Like we're only four games better than Charlotte. Like that's, you know, and Charlotte hasn't even had LaMelo like most of the year. You might as well say the entire year because he's just come back for a few games. So that's, uh, that's pretty troubling. Yeah, so we need to win tomorrow. We need to beat the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Hell, we need to win all of these games that are coming up and get to 500. And we need to do it with spirit, too. <laughs> Collectively. Need to play with a pure soul. (laughs) (laughs) So, Timberwolves, Heat, Hawks, Knicks, those all need to be wins. But you know what? On, On the bright side, when you look at the the failings of Billy, when you look at the fact that we have our starting point guard who is probably there's a good chance that you know Zoe does not play again for the Chicago Bulls. Like we need we need to come to that realization. There, there is. Say, did you say for the Chicago Bulls like never? Yes, because like when you're looking at this like how many number of procedures are we looking at for his knee? He's not running. He's still having this pain. They still don't really know what is going on. You have to think, like, as far as moving forward, there's a good chance that he might not be within, like, the Bulls' future moving forward or, at best, is going to be limited, like, severely. Because we don't, we have no idea what is going on with him, and he hasn't shown an ability to stay healthy throughout his career. So, in my mind, I'm just saying, I'm just preparing for the worst. Like, there's that possibility that he just does not, we don't see him again. And you're looking at the fact that Levine is probably having the worst stretch of his entire career. Mm-hmm. And we've still managed 11 wins somewhere with all of that nonsense that's going on. If we can find some consistency with Zach, that should help some of our issues. I'm not saying it's going to solve anything, but that should help some of them. So we'll see, you know, because I I was wondering, is Zach just like not healthy at all? But you you see that he has the ability to go out there, play extended minutes. He hasn't been complaining about his knee. He's not making any excuses. So the only thing we can assume is that he is healthy. So the Bulls can find a way to at least get Zach back on track. Then things should start to be looking at least a little bit better from an offensive cohesion standpoint. That's the only good news that I got. <laughs> I agree that Zach's healthy. Um, there's, there's no signs otherwise that he isn't. But he still doesn't have his rhythm. No. And, and it seems at times, <coughs> instead of playing within the flow of the offense, he's going out and he's trying to find his rhythm. 
which results in these shots where like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you shoot that right there? So I don't know if they need to have him practice more. Like they need to come up with more. They, they need to scrimmage more instead of watching tape to help Zach get into his rhythm. Something needs to be done by the coaching staff to help Zach be able to find his rhythm, but it not come at the expense of not playing within the flow of the team. Can Billy do that? Who knows? You're muted now. Yeah. <laughs> I said it's I'm sorry, me. Melissa, you're muted. I know you hate being called out. Missy. I said it just it doesn't even feel like they ever even watch tape. Because we see a lot of the same things over and over again. So I'm curious as to those sessions. They say they watch tape. I know, but where? It, it, <laughs> Let's see the proof. I mean, I'm sure that they play the tape for them. That doesn't mean they're actually right. watching. <laughs> are, are they actually breaking down what, what happens during these games, breaking down like crucial moments, mistakes? I, are they asking the team what they see went wrong? Are they putting new plans in place? Are they really watching these tapes? Just because the video is on does not mean that you are studying <laughs> tape. That's what I'm saying. Like, is this like I a Netflix a and chill situation? Yeah. <laughs> like my best friend and I, like we like used to study together and then like he would leave and then I would like continue studying. So I was like, we didn't study. Like we were over there just hanging out, you know, just watching, right. watching the game. And like the, the book was open. I don't know how much studying was going on. And like he would get tests back. He's like, hey, how come you got a better grade than I, I did? I was like, did you go home and study afterwards? Like, no, we did study. It's like, we didn't study. The book was barely open. We were talking <laughs> like Seinfeld was on and we weren't paying attention to anything. He's like, oh, so that's what you, I was like, yeah, like. After our little study session, I actually have to go home and study. Lo and behold, he started getting better grades. So if I don't buy that the, the Bulls team as a like as a whole collectively studies tape the That's way they need thing. to study. That's like a culture thing. Like you, you <laughs> should you should want to watch tape and really do dig like yes. Dig deep. Because you want to get better, you want to improve. Like that's that's definitely like a culture thing. And Which, take like, notes. Any competitor wants to do that, right? Like, yeah. Exactly. Do they have notes? Are there any notes on the board? Like, hey, you know, this is what I noticed. Like, no, I don't think that they keep notes or like actually break down film and all of this other stuff. That's what you would do as a professional. That's what I believe you should be doing. But you can't tell me that they're having good scrimmages. And they're watching tape consistently. And this is the product that we're getting out on the court. I refuse to believe that. Like, I don't know how you can study and get worse. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. You just see it when there just there are just no changes being made game after game. No significant changes that are consistent. Or speak to speak to what they saw from the last game. Like this wasn't working. So we saw they changed it up for the next game. You don't see that consistently. 
that's what I'm curious about and that's what we talk about every episode that's what I bring up every episode like we're we're doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting different stuff on stupid so these next what four games what are we looking like one and three consistently wrong (laughs) give my predictions anymore I hate being wrong. <laughs> Zero and four. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> how how many more games? That's as of the next four, I think. Next four. Okay. Let's see. We got the Timberwolves. Wolves, Heat, Hawks, and Knicks. <laughs> I'm gonna say Zach comes alive because he goes back to Minnesota. Reminding them of what they used to have. So we'll see a breakout game from Zach. But then the rest of them are going to be losses. Like, just one and three. I hope I'm wrong. Wolves, Hawks. I feel like we could still win against the Hawks, considering we only lost by one. Knicks we shouldn't have even lost to. So this is difficult for me. Let's just go. I'm going to go three and one. I'm going to keep it positive and then shoot myself in the foot again. Or maybe two or two. They they might be able to pull out a win versus the Heat if bully if if um, Jimmy sits. But then I'm worried about that Duncan Robinson <laughs> standout game where he kills us with seven three pointers. So you know, maybe I'm mostly worried about our team versus our competition in most cases. Yeah, I, I'm. I go three and one with you. Let's go. But um. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. <laughs> We're back to that. <laughs> and to the next time, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Tennis <laughs> game over. The horn blows.